0: Until I was <laughs> till I was 13, but my dad was from New Jersey, my mom was from Tennessee and Georgia. So you know, I have a foot in the north and a foot in the south. So I moved to Georgia when I was 13, and uh, it's good to be in Tennessee where my mom was born. But uh, Joe, would you um, be able to come up and share a word of testimony um, to uh, enable us to exalt the Lord's name together for what He's doing in your life? Appreciate you doing that. I gave him at least 10 minutes notice, so this shouldn't be hard.
1: You, okay. New Jersey. I mentioned this morning in uh, the Bible class that at least I'm from South Jersey, so you guys can give me a little bit of that. But I just uh, sent a text message to my my mentor up in New Jersey, who's the director of uh, the Colony of Mercy, a 114-year-old addictions recovery place. And I started out with Howdy, so you guys are having something to do with me right now. Um, I was reminded and happened to be reading it just... Um, about an hour ago, and I was in uh, First Timothy that says in First, uh, excuse me, Second Timothy, chapter four, verse two: Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort, and with all long suffering and teaching. And so, uh, I come from the Gospel of Go. I've been blessed by the Lord Jesus Christ to have my life back and to have it uh, freely and abundantly in Him, and allowing Him to live His life through me. Um, I uh, was born uh, to a father named Joseph and a mother named Mary in a small town in Wildwood, New Jersey. Um, And uh, the oldest of nine boys, I grew up in the Philadelphia area during the winter and spent the summers down at the shore. Uh, And I begin with things that happened in my life that were issues that I had, ideas that I then developed, Idols I began to worship, and then only by the grace of God and an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ was I taken out of a 40-year addiction, a bondage to addiction. Um, and, and I begin with just one thing, because I don't like to dwell on those tough parts. I'd rather give the praise and come to the good part, that there is life after me. And um, what happened was, I can, my earliest recollection at 6 was sitting at the top of the steps in my house with my father, uh, beating my mother up, pushing her around. My father was a smart man, learned man, a teacher, school teacher, later on to become a doctor of psychology, but he had rage, anger, and a past of his own. And I remember sitting there, and I loved my mother. My mother raised us boys. My father was always working. And I was sitting there helpless and hopeless. And in came the Calvary in the form of her dad and my uncle Jack, a World War II paratrooper, Um, who came in and things calmed down but the pattern began then they left and the chaos started again and so I began to do for me very early on I was brought up Catholic so I knew of Jesus but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus the Jesus that we know I didn't have a father in heaven that I knew was a loving father but I grew up with the rageful earthly father that I had who didn't love me, and I couldn't understand why he didn't. Or if he did, he didn't show it. And so early on, I began to rage against that. And and, and that rejection caused me to seek an identity that took me into those 40 years of addiction. It was an identity that I could drink, and I could run around with the opposite sex, and I was popular, and I was an athlete and a jock, and I could do all those things, and it made me feel good. And that began, and I say it made me feel good because... That's really what my addiction was. My addiction became the trinity of the human race, of me, myself, and I. And I served it well. I served it well. And uh, I had an addiction that started out with alcohol, um, and it, it escalated into uh, cocaine, it escalated into all the drugs you can think until finally, with an injury, I went to pain medication. It took me into a spiral I never thought I'd get to, which was a full blown heroin addiction. At the end of my illustrious uh, drug addict alcohol career, uh, I was uh, drinking every day. I added up the days in the 40 years. There was 13,000 days uh, in those 40 years, of which I was sober, a little over 700. Uh, And I don't say that bragging, but I say that as a point of reference of how bad and how much I spiraled downward. And so uh, eventually what happened at the end was that my life ended up in a one-room drinking every day, drugs every day, all about me to the point where I finally was going to take myself out because I had no solution. Now, fortunately, in 1976 at a campus crusade at Trenton State College in that great state of New Jersey we just talked about, uh, Bill Bright's group was there, and and there was a guy that was walking. I saw him there. I was in a new student center with my friend, and and as the guy was walking towards me, I said these words, and I I got Dennis to tell me years later that I did say them that, this man is going to come over here and start talking to us about Jesus Christ. And he did. And I made a decision for Christ that day, but I was disobedient and continued to walk away. That background being what it was, I lost my wife, I lost my children, I lost my job, I lost my integrity, I lost any value that I had to the point where I said I was going to finally just take myself out. I called a friend of mine who I knew had been in recovery and was doing well and was back in the church and Uh, He said, you need to go to America's Kazakh, up to the Colony of Mercy, which is a Christian recovery. I'd been in 10 secular rehabs, and nothing had happened except that I met more drug dealers and more uh, drama. I got in there, and um, I was introduced to my chaplain. Let me tell you about the Colony of Mercy, first of all. The foundation is they do one of two things in the beginning. Either they find out that you're saved, and they take people who are saved and get them back to the cross, or you're not saved... And they get you the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what's preached there. What's preached there is that Jesus Christ is the only solution and the only hope to get out of that addiction, out of that bondage. And so I meet my chaplain who... Looked more shot out than I did. And I'm like, Lord, what is this all about? And I sat down and we confirmed that I was in fact saved and that I knew Christ as my Savior. But there was issues. And as we got on, I began to just wail and cry about all my problems. And I felt this chair come up next to me. And he said, Joe, I I know you're hurt. And we'll get to some of those things. But while you're doing all this, what are you doing for Jesus Christ? And I was mad at him because I wanted to cry some more and tell him about how bad my life was because that's what you learn in the secular rehab. But my answer was this. I said, nothing. And he said, well, how's that working for you? And I said, well, I'm sitting next to you in an addiction recovery place. Not too good. He said, do you want to get on to knowing Jesus Christ? Do you want to find out the victorious Christian life of allowing Christ to come through and live his life through you? And I said, I do. And so the journey began. I went through the four months. I graduated. Um, I went into a discipleship program, which was a voluntary program for three months that ended up being four and a half. And the Lord had gotten a hold of my heart. Uh, I think of Ezekiel in chapter 36, 26. It says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I also realized at that time, too, that we were working in this experience in God book, that God had a plan for me, for his purpose, not mine. And that if I was just to be led by the Holy Spirit and to really listen, I began to go out and listen to God and sit. Say, Father, I know you're there. I began to get up in the morning. My father became real to me. And every morning I got up and I said, Father, here you are again with me. You're busy. You're a busy man. And you listen to me. And you sit with me. And you love me. And you put your arms around me. And, uh, and every morning, no matter where I was, he was there. I had some uh, issues physically. I had heart surgery. I had infection. Uh, I had a, a blind eye. It was a whole bunch of stuff that was there. And no matter where I was, I get up in that morning, and he faithfully was there. And so I began to trust. Um, I got into a verse, Galatians 2.20, and the switch went off. And my life began to change when I realized what Jesus Christ had done, that he had taken all of that, that, I had, that he had gone to that cross for me for sin, past, present, and future. And that I had a hope. And when I was looking in there in the words, when it said that I have been crucified with Christ, I began to put my name in there and said, Joe has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer Joe who lives, but Christ who lives in Joe. And the life I live now in the flesh, I live by faith. I live by faith. Joe lives by faith. And I saw that word faith and I was like, I wonder what that word's all about. Because it had only been a word. And so I continued into the word and I got into Hebrews 11 and found out the definition. I was joking with Dr. Solomon this morning when it said it was the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If I had evidence of things not seen. I wouldn't have had to do time in jail, you know. And, um, but, but I understood what that meant and that without faith it was impossible to please him. And so then at the end of the discipleship, uh, I was in full boat uh, in terms of being a disciple of understanding that Jesus did not say to go make converts of them all, but to go make disciples of them all. My life really started to get rich. Uh, The day before I was leaving, the director came up to me and offered me the first internship to work with the chaplains in 113 years. And if you grow up with the identity that you're worthless like I did, to have somebody come and say, God, not him, not the director, but God felt you valuable enough to join him in his work here. And I watched miracle after miracle after miracle of men coming in, struggling, with families that were just torn apart, divorce papers ripped up, wives lovingly walking around the lake with their husbands, sitting and reading the Bible, children, boys calling their father daddy again, watching what Jesus could put together. And um, so that... That is where my life uh, has gone. It went from suicide, where I was going to take myself out, to a ride that I couldn't even imagine. And uh, as we say at the county, that's why they call him the most high. I don't need any drug. I don't need any alcohol. And uh, the question was asked, when did it really sink in for me? And it was this line. When I began to love Jesus Christ more than I began to love Joe Freeman, it it started taking off. And the more I got to know Jesus Christ, the further away I got from Joe Freeman and the depravity that that could be within me that was in me. And uh, I I, I walk um, in amazement. How I got here, and I'll finish with this, is uh, I was going back out to a church in York where I first uh, began to read the Bible, and I was set to do that. I was going to go and do a Spanish ministry, and I knew that had to be of God. Uh, because I don't speak Spanish, and, um, but I was willing to do it, and had made an announcement. Took a, uh, one of the guys from the colony up to a college up in Clark Summit called Baptist Bible College. Their president had spoken at Keswick. We met him. He invited us up for a tour. I met a gentleman named uh, Dr. Kerry Lance, who has an affiliation and a relationship with Dr. Solomon and Dr. Woodward. And I just was sitting down with him to find out what could have been on this program for a master's degree in counseling. Um, And he said, I have about 25 minutes. What's your story? I gave him five minutes. And he said, have you ever heard of Dr. Charles Solomon? And I said, have I ever heard of that? Yeah. And so with that and some prayer, uh, I just enrolled. I got accepted last week, and I've enrolled. I'm enrolled to go back to school, that God's given the desires of my heart to me. Um, And with that, I called down here and found out the conference was here. And so now you have to sit out there and listen to me tonight because of that decision. But uh, I just want to tell you, I really appreciate it. I love the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, he is my life. And my life motto used to be, I do well till I show up. Uh, my life verse now is Matthew 26:39. Uh, and he went a little farther, and he fell on his face, and he cried, O oh, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours. Thank you very much. I love you guys. Thank you.
0: Let's have a word of prayer for Joe thank God and ask the Lord's guidance. Lord, thank you for your grace that has saved Joe, not only from hell, but saved him from himself and his old life. Thank you for his willingness to come down here for training. And thank you for opening the door there at uh, Baptist Bible College and graduate school to minister uh, and learn there with our friend Carrie Lance. Um, Lord, I just thank you for his testimony. Thank you for America's Keswick and the Colony of Mercy, and for how your word is being proclaimed in its fullness there. So we give you glory, ask for your blessing and guidance, and your provision for him step by step. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Joe. Well, we're going to worship the Lord through our evening offering, so the uh, gentleman would come forward to receive it. And we're also going to ask you to turn in your hymnals to let all things now living. as a Thanksgiving hymn. Six four zero. Marianne's going to play through it once, and then we'll sing along. But uh, who would like to lead in prayer? I think Joe, it might be your turn. So, uh... precious Lord, heavenly Father, we thank you that we could be here this evening, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for coming into our lives and